0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective. This is the Theology Central podcast, making theology central.
1: Good afternoon everyone. It is Tuesday, August the 16th, 2022. It is currently 3:56 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. And I need someone to help me. I need someone to help me stop because clearly I have a problem. My problem is I have every podcasting app on earth on my iPad and I, and I have all the notifications turned on. So I'm getting notifications literally. I know you think this is an exaggeration because I subscribe to so many different podcasts. I, I bet you I average a notification. Maybe one every two to three minutes. Maybe maybe even less than that. It's just constantly this, this, this. I I, I subscribe to so many different things. And I love the technology. But man, it doesn't, doesn't it get me in a lot of trouble? It gets me in a lot of trouble in this way. <laughs> I'm constantly listening to things. And then I'm like, oh, we need to talk about that. Oh, we need to talk about that. I, I guess I'm kind of a digital hoarder. I guess. I mean... I mean, it's not like you know there's not stacks of newspapers all over my house. it's just my my ipad is well they're not even really downloaded so i I guess I'm kind of hoarding i i I don't know what we call me I don't know what the diagnosis is, but i yes, I listen to so many different things, and then every time i I'll just start listening to something it'll take like five seconds. It'll be like 10 seconds into the episode, 10 seconds into the sermon, 10 seconds. And I'm like, wait, wait, we could do a series on this. And wait, I could do 10, 10 episodes on this. Or when I'm typically, I'm always naive. Oh, I can, I can cover that in 30 minutes and it'll be interesting. And then, you know, it's like, here we are on part 67. Okay. And I'm like, wait, I've got all of those other series to do. I, I, I I just, to me, it feels almost, it it feels almost wrong to me to have so much available and we don't take advantage of it. It feels like I'm doing something wrong. Look, there's all of these Christian podcasts, all of these sermons. That doesn't even count all of the news podcasts and all the other things I listen to, history pod, all the different things, dramatized podcasts, all the different things I listen to. It's just, I just feel like there's so much there. How can I waste it? How can I ignore it? And especially when you have all of your notifications turning on, boom, here comes another one. Here's another. And I'm always like, oh, that looks good. Oh, wait, that looks good. Oh, that looks good. It's just, it's just, it's crazy. But I say all of that, not just because I want you to know anything about me. That's really irrelevant. I say all of that as an introduction because, well, it happened again. I woke up this morning, I leaned over, I hit play and I'm like, oh, oh, information about a new book. That's interesting. Okay. I can, I can share that with everyone. Wait, what did they just say? Wait, is that right? Or is that wrong? Is that true? Or is that false? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're not going to make it very far into this. Now what we... What we'll probably will do is we'll have to return to this and do like a second part. I know. See, before I even know it, I'm, I'm creating another series. I don't want to create another series, but I I I am interested in this book. But here's what we're going to do. I want you to hear about the book. I want you to to um, get information about the book. You may want to purchase the book. I don't get any money for it. If you're part of the Theology Central Book Club, you already got the notification today that I added the book to the book club. Um It's, I don't know, probably it's in in some way, shape or form, the book is going to end up in my hands. And when it ends up in my hands, guess what? You're going to hear something from it. So this this is, who knows, who knows how the long time, the long-term impact, my, what, I don't, how far did I make it? One minute into this podcast episode. I made it one minute and all of us. And next thing you know, I've got, uh, I've got notes. I started researching this. And, and, and of course, we're going to probably, this is probably going to turn into two or three parts, but here, here is what I want you to consider. And I just want to ask you, if you were to consider the book of Proverbs and the book of Psalms, right? If you, if I, if I, instead of having them in the Bible, just their individual books, here's the book of Proverbs, here's the book of Psalms, and I set them down on a table in front of you. Here's the book of Psalms, here's the book of Proverbs. In what ways are these books alike? In what ways are they different? And then here's the big question. Should you consider Proverbs and psalms as the same literary genre, or should you understand them being a different literary genre? Are they the same literary style, the same literary uh, genre, or should you see them as different? Now, this is a, I know you may think, who cares? That question is irrelevant. No, understanding the literary genre is very important in how you interpret the book, right? Right? I think we all agree. We interpret a historical narrative very different than we uh, interpret poetry, right? We, We interpret poetry very different than we interpret apocalyptic literature or prophetic literature. You've got to know the literary genre. It's very, very, very important. And I think sometimes people say Proverbs and Psalms is the same literary style. But then as soon as you start a little bit of research, you find out not everyone agrees on that is there agreement? Is there disagreement? Why? How come? I'll give you an assignment, but I'm going to wait to do that. Let's go to this. This was an episode of Issues ETC, Issues Etc. I've been subscribing to this podcast as long as it's been a podcast. Issues ETC, if it's not in your podcast app of choice, it needs to be Issues ETC. It's a Lutheran program, so I don't agree with all of their theology, but I obviously greatly appreciate the distinction between law, the proper distinction between law and gospel that is emphasized within Lutheran theology. I obviously have major issues with the liberal side of, Lutheran, of Lutheranism, which is not really Lutheran, it's not really Christian, I don't know what it is, and I can say that because, well, I was a Lutheran, and I did attend a very liberal Lutheran church for a brief period of time until I moved over to the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church, where then I started actually learning theology and the distinction between law and gospel and other very important concepts. But I'm not a Lutheran anymore, and if you want to know why, it's baptism. Um, I, that, that's, that was where I'm like, wait, I, we got a problem. We have a problem. That's where I had to finally, I, yeah, we won't go through that whole story, but I, I still tell you to subscribe to Issues ETC. I don't know what po- uh, podcast app you use. I, Pocket Cast is the general podcasting app of choice. Of course, I tell everyone to use the Edify Christian podcast app for the Christian podcast. And if you, if you do use Pocket Cast, you may want to consider uh, doing the 99 cents a month to be a pod, uh, pocket cast plus subscriber because you can create individual folders. So you can have a folder for daily devotions, a, a folder for sermons, a folder for, and then you can put all your podcast in there of that specific type, style, or genre and then it's just easy to find what you're looking for. So it's just, it's a new feature if you haven't seen it. I know you don't really care, but it just, it fits perfectly with what we're talking about. Proverbs and Psalms, how are they alike? How are they different? And most importantly, are they, they the same literary style? That's the, that's the main question I have for you. But in trying to get to that question, we're going to learn a little bit about a new book on the book
0: of Proverbs. Here we go. If I were to ask you, what in, let's just narrow it to the Old Testament. What in the Old Testament serves as excellent devotional material? Okay, got to stop right here. So what in the Old
1: Testament serves as great devotional material? What books or what in the Old Testament serves as great devotional material? Now, as soon as I heard that question, I almost stopped right there this morning. I almost stopped right there. And I, and I wanted to come to the microphone and just put that question to the listeners. Like, if you were to choose what you would use in the Old Testament for devotional material, what would you choose? I I would be interested to hear what people would go to. But here's what I think. What people choose may greatly indicate what they, how they understand what devotional material is, or it it would indicate their definition of devotional material. When you think of devotional material, what do you think of? What do you think of? See, I, now you you can, I'm just going to throw out my philosophy here, right? I'm just going to throw out my philosophy. When I think of devotional material, yes, I'm very aware of what we call devotionals, right? Like I got a devotional right here. Okay, and I have plenty of devotionals, and I'm always using them. But this is my philosophy between what I would say devotional material and then what I guess I would choose as material for in-depth study. I think every passage can be devotional, and every passage can be in-depth. Or let me state it another way. Devotional is kind of usually sometimes viewed as more spiritual milk, where in-depth study may be viewed more as spiritual meat. Here's my perspective. Every passage is milk. Every passage is meat. Every passage is devotional. Every passage is in-depth. It all depends on the attention, time, and how you approach the passage. So I perceive that something is devotional or something is quote unquote in depth or study material simply based on the amount of time I have on that particular passage or verse on any given day. So in other words, I may go to a passage and it is devotional at 7 a.m. before, well, you know, now this is my job, but back before when I, when I worked, okay, I may look at a passage. I'll just, I'll just grab the devotional guide that I have right here. Today is August the 16th. I'll just give you an example. August the 16th. It is Romans 4, 16 to 25. Romans 4, 16 to 25. So if it was devotional time, I would open up Romans 4, 16 to 25. And I would read it probably two or three times and then just try to write down maybe two or three observations, maybe a question or two. I would probably write down a few observations, a few questions, and maybe one or two lessons. It would be probably done in 15 to 20 minutes, right? I'm going to read it. I'm going to write down a few observations, maybe some questions that I have that like, oh, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. Maybe a few uh, lessons and maybe an application or two. Now, if I can't write that much out, I would do what I can. Now, that there's there's devotional time. Now, hopefully devotional time leads to meditation time. So now that I once I've done my devotional, now I'm in the car driving to work, I'm thinking about Romans 4. I'm a yeah. Okay. That was kind of good. Okay. That was interesting. Okay. And and I'm just, I, hopefully I'm meditating and meditating and meditating. Now, once work is over and I come back home and now I'm going to be like, I'm going to give myself 45 minutes this evening. I don't have a lot of time tonight, but I'm going to give myself 45 minutes. Now I go back to Romans four. I go to the same passage and now it's no longer devotional. Now it's in depth. It's no longer quote unquote milk. It's become spiritual meat. So I don't like this idea. Like, if you were to choose a book, which would you choose in the Old Testament for your devotion versus for something else? I, I think that that, I think that creates a wrong understanding of devotional. Like, that passage, that's milk. That passage, that's a devotional passage. No, absolutely every passage. Well, when I say no, 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 in the sense that it's just not devotional and milk. Every passage is devotional only based on the time I give to it. It's milk only because of the time I give to it. More time, more meditation, more questioning, more study, it magically transforms into spiritual meat. It magically transforms from devotional material to, well, study material. That is my philosophy. I, maybe others disagree with me. But I, I think I can prove that. I think if you, if you, like, if we were to spend the day together, I'm like, okay. All right. We're, it's morning time. We're going to have a devotional. You ready? Okay. You choose the passage. All right. Let's go. Boom. We're going to read it three, four times. All right. You got it. All right. Let, give, give me two or three observations. You got it? Okay. Good. All right. Uh, do you have any questions? Things that don't make any sense. Okay. Write that down. All right. You got any like basic lessons from it? Okay, you got one? Okay, how about an application? Uh, Nope, none? Okay, great. That concludes our devotional. Now, we can do whatever we want the rest of the day. We'll come back at 1 p.m. and now it'll be study time. And what are we gonna study? The exact same passage. And now it's going to be transformed from milk to spiritual meat, from devotional to study material. Some pastors preach uh, passages of the Bible in a devotional way, when they should be preaching it in a way to give people spiritual meat. Some people like spiritual milk churches. Some people like spiritual meat churches. Some people like devotional churches. And some people like study churches. All right, now, we're going to back that up. See, (laughs) we made it, we just made it just a couple of seconds And, and see, I immediately, I'm, I'm like, immediately, I'm like, stop, stop, stop. I, 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 I literally paused it like this morning. I'm like, wait, wait, stop, wait. They, they, they seem to be treating that some, what, some things is devotional and some things are not devotional. I'm like, I disagree, but I, I disagree with things. I, I, so many times people get so confused. I may disagree with something. It doesn't mean I'm saying don't listen to it. I, I listen to everything so that I'm confronted with an idea. I woke up today. I wasn't thinking, hmm, is devotional material the same as study material? It wasn't even a thought in my mind. Three, you know, basically 10 seconds into this. And I'm like, no, I, I think I still disagree with that concept. But all right, here we go. Let, let's go through this.
0: If I were to ask you, what in, let's just narrow it to the Old Testament. What in the Old Testament serves as excellent devotional material? Immediately you're going to go, the Psalms. Yes, you will. That's interesting.
1: Are you immediately drawn to the Psalms as devotional material? personally, the Psalms, I don't feel is devotional material because here's what happens when I read the Psalms. I'm always like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. So I got, I got poetry here, but who's, who is this talking about? What's going, I need some kind of historical context because can I just grab this and start applying it? Like usually when I'm in the Psalms, I'm like, wait a minute. Can I apply this? Can I not apply this? Like, what? who is this talking about? Because it's seeming to imply that God will do this, 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 and this. And I know he doesn't always do those things. So what's, and, and, and in some cases, you don't really necessarily have a historical context. Like, is this, sometimes, you know, it's David. Sometimes you may not. And even if it's David. What's going on? So then you have to go find a book. Then you have to look up, say, Psalm, whatever. Okay. Historical context. Well, some scholars believe this is the historical context. Some scholars believe this is the historical context. Then you got to go back, read the historical context and go, hmm, okay. I think that fits. And so uh, to me, I can't just, it's hard for me just to look at it from a devotional perspective. Immediately when I start reading a Psalm, I'm like, okay, what's going on? What's the historical context? I need, I need this information. That's very difficult to look at that in a devotional way. You you almost, it almost requires some kind of almost like a background study of every Psalm. So I find it interesting that he said that most people would immediately go to the Psalms. I, it would, I would love, sometimes when I hear people talk about devotions or their quiet time, I almost want to say, look, I'm not I'm not trying to be like a stalker, but I need to come over to your house and I need to watch you have <laughs> your devotions. Like, what are you talking about? I, I just need to see. Because because I think some people's perception, I'm like, I think I would be sitting there going, wait, that was your devotional time? Wait, uh, what what did you just do to that passage of scripture? I don't think that was devotional time. I think we just watched a crime occur. I, I, I think that what you just did to that passage of scripture. I think that may have been criminal. I-, I think you should be brought up on charges. Okay, maybe it's a little extreme. Okay, but you get the idea. Sometimes it's like, I like how, why, do, why, would most people think Psalms are devotional in nature?
0: Okay, so he thinks most people would go to Psalms. Why not Proverbs, which sits right next to Psalms and is the same genre of literature? It's wisdom literature.
1: Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so why not Proverbs? Now, I think
0: Proverbs
1: is probably much easier for devotional material. So I would go to Proverbs versus Psalms because with Proverbs, I don't really need any historical context, right? I don't need any historical context. Most of those Proverbs, you don't have to go, wait, who, what, no. We know And and, and Psalms, you have different authors. Proverbs, what, you basically have, you have uh, Solomon, right? Is there is there once is there a proverb? I think, is, I think is there a proverb not written by Solomon? According to some chapter headings, I'm thinking. I'm going from the. I'm just I'm just going from the top of my memory. Okay, I believe. I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe. Um, let's see this one. I don't think has any chapter headings. I don't think so. I. Okay. Oh, well, Proverbs chapter 30 is the words of Agor, the son of Jacob, even the prophecy. So they're the words of Agor. So do you say that's a, 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 a proverb of Solomon? Okay. So that's what I was thinking. So, but I think for the most part, it's Solomon. So you, we kind of know who the author is. We don't really, we don't really need any historical context. So to me, I would be like Proverbs is the devotional book. Psalms is the, Wait, what's going on? Wait, why are you saying these? Wait, what has you so upset? I need some kind of, I need to understand this. So I would be drawn to Proverbs. Other people would be drawn to Psalms. Now, whatever book or genre of biblical literature you're drawn to for your devotional material, you do have to kind of think it through. But he made a statement. I don't know if you heard it. I know you're like, you cut him off so quick. I know. We're going to back it up. But I want you to listen. He makes a statement about the book of Psalms and Proverbs being the same. Let me let me back this up. Let me back this up. All right,
0: here we go. What in Let's just narrow it to the Old Testament. What in the Old Testament serves as... Excellent devotional material. Immediately you're going to go, the Psalms. Yes, you will. Why not Proverbs, which sits right next to Psalms and is the same genre of literature? It's wisdom literature. It's the same genre
1: of literature. He is claiming that Psalms and Proverbs is the same kind of literature. Do you believe it's the same or do you believe it's different? He says both are wisdom literature. Are they both wisdom literature? Now, I, I found that that that's where I stopped this morning. I didn't make it any further than that. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I made it one minute. Well, if you take the uh, the intro music, I made it about 30 seconds into this and I was like, stop. And all day I've been like, Proverbs and Psalms, the same literary genre. Now, he he identified them as wisdom literature. I figured he would uh, identify them as Hebrew poetry. He identified them as wisdom literature. Is wisdom literature and Hebrew poetry the same? Or does wisdom literature... Okay, thank you. Someone just said it. They don't feel that way to me. That's what I wanted. That's what I was going to say. This is why I think it's so important. I don't think you should... Even if you tell people they're the same literary genre, you have to acknowledge they read extremely different. There's some serious differences with these two books. There's a difference between Psalm and Proverbs there's a difference so i just did a little bit of work today grabbing multiple things and just trying to to go through this and so let's work a little bit on this now i still want to you you please wait till the end because i will let this play just a little bit longer so that we you get introduced to this new book on proverbs that they're about to introduce and obviously it's a devotional book on proverbs right but before we go there i don't we can't just Go past this. I know the average person would be listening to this, this if they if they listen to issues etc. and they wouldn't, it wouldn't even they wouldn't even a blink an eye. They would have been like, whatever, same. Li- okay, they're both wisdom literature, but I'm like, eh, time out. No, 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 no. Are they? Is that a, is that a factual statement? And what are the implications of telling everyone listening to that radio program and that podcast? Hey, proverbs and psalms. I mean, they're the same literary genre. Well, if they're the same literary genre, they read completely different, and I believe you need very different hermeneutical tools to pull them up, to 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 handle them anywhere close to the same. So here's a little bit of work that I found. So I just started looking up different, you know, Bible handbooks, encyclopedias, dictionaries. I just started grabbing everything, going, okay, what does everyone else say? I have my own theories, I have my own ideas, things that I've learned, but You know, I'm not, instead of relying on me, I'm just going to go grab every random source I can and just see. And I just gathered some notes from lots of random different sources. Here we go. The first one, this was the exact quote. The Psalms and Proverbs are very different. (laughs) I'm like... Yes, everyone should know they're very different. You need to know they're very different because you're going to need, I think, some different hermeneutical skills and tools to take these apart. The Psalms, now this is interesting, are vertical to God. In a sense, the Psalms are vertical. They look up to God. While Proverbs are horizontal about people. So Psalms, think of it this way, Psalms the Psalms may describe things happening in life, but it looks at what's happening at life almost from a vertical. It's looking to God. It's in almost speaking to God, praying to God. It's almost a prayer to God about what's going on in life. Where Proverbs is horizontal, but listen, it's horizontal in this way. It's looking at life it's looking at things uh, and and it's looking at life but it's taking the wisdom of God and applying it horizontally where if you think about it this way psalms takes the reality of life and looks up looks and lifts it up in a vertical way proverbs takes the wisdom of God and brings it to earth and and applies it in a horizontal way so Psalms takes life and lifts it up in a vertical way. Proverbs takes the wisdom of God and applies it in a vertical way, or a horizontal way, I should say. Alright, uh, oh, someone just said that detail alone makes it completely different. Yes, I think it makes it completely different, and, and you can tell me you can tell me whether you agree. I just think, and, and, and I'm I'm adding to their words, but I think Psalms, and I'll say it again, takes life and lifts it up, or it takes life, and looks at it from from a vertical perspective. It, it takes life, and I'm going to look to God. Here's what's happening in my life. Here's my emotions. Here's, here's my feelings, but I'm going to look up. Where Proverbs grabs the wisdom of God, brings it down to earth, and applies it in a horizontal way. One is taking life and lifting it up in a vertical way. The other is taking the wisdom of God and applying it in a horizontal way. I th- I think there's some truth there. You you may disagree. They go on to say the Psalms are divine counsel from God, whereas Proverbs are practical advice to people. Well, I believe Proverbs is the wisdom of God applied to people and human relations and human situations. I may have, I may say it a little differently. The The Psalms include a collection of prayers and hymns, while Proverbs are wise sayings. That's why I would say Proverbs is wisdom literature, where Psalms is more straight poetry. Now, it doesn't mean the wisdom literature may not have poetry. So I would, I tend to say, that both may be poetry, I think that I would not even call them both wisdom literature. I would call Psalms and Proverbs as both being poetry, but it's, it's a different type. It's that, that to me is still somewhat misleading. They're, they're both poetry, but it requires different, a completely different hermeneutical mindset. One is poetry and expressing human emotion in a poetic way. Where Proverbs is taking God's wisdom and are trying to apply it using certain poetic techniques uh, that is used in Hebrew poetry, I think I think there, there's a there's a massive difference there. If you want to know more about God and feel His presence, read the Psalms. If you want to know yourself better and have a better relationship with other people, then read the Book of Proverbs. That's how one source said it. Then I. I I took a screenshot of a chart that was in a book. Here's how they 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 drew a line down the middle, and then on one side Psalms, the other side Proverbs, just to show you the differences. Psalms, seven different authors. Now, according to this, they say Proverbs only has one author. It. it I think it's fair to say one author, just maybe some of the Proverbs he, Solomon records, and they're the words of someone else, but okay, like in Proverbs 30, but okay, we get the idea. Seven different authors in Psalms, one key author in Proverbs. David wrote 73 of the Psalms. In Proverbs, David's son, Solomon, wrote about 3,000 Proverbs, but only 800 are in the book of Proverbs. Psalms is vertical to God. Proverbs is horizontal about, now this is interesting, 180 different types of people. Now that's fascinating. According to at least, I think I found this in two books, that 180 different types of people are found in the book of Proverbs. Mm, a Bible study exercise is on its way, Okay. All right. I need someone to chart it out. I need you to identify all 180 people in Proverbs. I, I see a study coming. Okay. I, because I don't know if I believe that, but that's crazy. If that 180 different types of people. Oh, that's got me. That's got me like, don't come on. Come on. Don't, don't test me. Don't challenge me like that. Don't. Okay. But I, I haven't had a chance to look on at that today, but okay. They go on to say, Psalms doesn't have to be read chapter by chapter, very true, because it doesn't have a narrative where you've got to get in in some kind of order, and neither does Proverbs. Proverbs doesn't have to be read chapter by chapter in order. You You can switch up. Psalms has 150 chapters. Proverbs has 31. Psalms contains hymns to God, hymns about God. Proverbs has words of wisdom, words of advice. Psalms has prayers, poems, and hymns. Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings. Psalms includes divine counsel. Proverbs includes practical advice. Psalms includes God's commands. Now, this is interesting. Proverbs includes Human opinions. Whoa. Now you've got to have a hermeneutical tool to go, wait, 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 wait. Is that divine counsel or is that human opinion? That really made me pause and go, that's, we would have to work on that. But what I'm trying to show you is as you start looking up books, they start focusing on the differences between the two. And the introduction here was more like, well, I mean, why would you choose Psalms over Proverbs? They're the same literature style. Almost like somehow they're the same when they're radically different. Psalms has five divisions. Proverbs doesn't appear to have a division. Psalms has hymns that are to be sung. Proverbs are not designed to be sung. You can you can't turn them into a song because at our church, we sing a lot, sing a lot of scripture acapella. We, we pick a scripture, someone comes up with a tune, and then we we learn it, and then we just sing it acapella. So, um, and I think we have, I think we have one. I don't know. I'd have to go back and remember. I don't remember all the scriptures we sing, but I think we have one in Proverbs. If not, I'm going to tell everyone at my church, we need a scripture song from Proverbs today. Okay, so uh, uh, that's what I'll do. All right. So, Here's some more information. The book of Psalms, also referred to simply as the Psalms, is in the Bible in the writings or poetic literature section of the Old Testament. They place it as poetry. Not, not, they don't refer to it as wisdom literature, but as poetry literature. Now, you could argue wisdom literature contains poetry. You could argue poetry contains words of wisdom, but typically we try to draw some kind of distinction They go They go on to say, many people credit all or most of the Psalms to David, but David wrote only 73 of the 150 Psalms. There were six other writers. I'm not going to go through and name all of them here. The book of Psalms is a collection of prayers, poems, and hymns. Most of them include praise to God. There are some corporate Psalms. Some are individual. They include worship and adoration to God for who he is, for his creation, and for his deliverance and care for Israel. Now, the book of of Psalms, if I said Proverbs, let me me read that all again. The book of Psalms is a collection of prayers, poems, hymns. Most of them include praise to God. There are some corporate Psalms. Some are individual. They include worship and adoration uh, to God for who he is, for his creation, and for his deliverance and care for Israel. Now, five divisions of the Psalms, not of the Proverbs, of the Psalms. The book of Psalms is divided into five sections that are a parallel to the Pentateuch. Each section ends with a doxology. A doxology is a hymn with five characteristics, all right? And then they, they talk about the five characteristics of that. But okay, but it's a fivefold division. I'm not going to break the whole thing down here, all right? So there's a little bit about the book of Psalms, showing you its individual character and how it, I think it's very different from Proverbs. So let's consider Proverbs. Proverbs is listed after Psalms in the Bible in the writings or poetic literature section of the Old Testament. So some refer to this as poetry and um, Psalms as poetry. So that would argue that they're the same. They're the same. Bo- they're both poetry. Now, um, they go on to say Proverbs has 31 chapters, unlike the book of Psalms. And then we uh, there's some other information here that we have basically, we've already talked about. So they would say they're both poetry, but even if you tell someone, "Hey, they're both poetry," so remember that. And in interpreting it, I mean, come on, they're drastic, drastically different styles of poetry. There may be certain overlapping principles. I think. I think. I would argue this. You can't read proverbs until you know the, some of the basic principles are attributes of Hebrew poetry. I, 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 th- I think that that would be a pretty dogmatic statement. But I looked up another source. This one says... Uh, uh, Psalms or here they're breaking the books down into different uh, literary genres and they label Psalms as poetry. Also known as the literary style of poetry the 150 Psalms are a collection of inspired poetry with a rhythm and structure that help people remember God's word at a time when written copies reading and writing were rare. So they're saying the way the Psalms were put together with kind of a rhythm and a structure it was easy for you to remember remember and easy for you to sing. The pro- but then when you go over to Proverbs in the same book, now this is different than the previous book I was looking at. Guess what? They don't place Proverbs in the poetry section. They place it in what is known as wisdom literature. This is what they say about in their entry for wisdom literature. Wisdom literature is discernment and applicable truths given from God to man that can help guide our lives today. In most cases, these truths are captured in Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. Wisdom literature unpacks how the world works, provides guidance and common sense uh, in areas of life, and addresses life's mysteries and philosophical questions like, what is the purpose of life? The books in this literary style give us practical application for today and most importantly, how to have awe and reverence towards God. All right. Um, let's see if there's anything else here. Okay, now I'm going to read. I've got just one more thing to say and then we'll, we'll do this. Now, this is interesting. So is, are they both poetry or is one should one be labeled poetry and the other one wisdom literature? Can they both be called wisdom literature? I just don't think they can be both called, to me it would make more sense to refer to them as both containing Hebrew poetry, but I would never call them both wisdom literature. I think they're drastically different. But even if you do that, you still, and I'm not, I understand it was just his introduction to get to the book, but it just, it can lead people to massive confusion in how to handle this. But this is a little bit about poetry in the Hebrew world. Poetry in the Hebrew world was different from what we think of when we hear the word poetry. Modern poetry is characterized by rhyme schemes and balance. Hebrew poetry was characterized more by parallel thought connected through stanzas. Now, parallel thought is very evident in Proverbs. Very. You could argue it may be evident in some of the Psalms. So you would say the, these both contain a poetry style and structure that you need to know, but I think one you, you, Psalms feels like poetry, and and Proverbs feels like something else. Now, you but but whatever, again, I, I don't, I just don't think you can label them both wisdom literature. I think one you could think that one is using poetry more for praise. And speaking to God, and the other one is using maybe Hebrew poetry in order to capture words of wisdom and show contrast and parallelism, so that we can give advice to people. Even there, you would have to draw a distinction. Uh, it says wisdom. Um, okay, uh, see here, Hebrew poetry may be written more in what we would consider sing-song style type style today. While most Old Testament books employ some type of poetic feature, two are considered primary poetry books, Psalms and Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. Now, please note, see, they don't put Proverbs there. They say, if you're going to just look at pure poetry books, it's Psalms and the Song of Solomon. They they leave out Proverbs. The others are like, no, they're both poetry. So there's some disagreement here on this, which again is just, to me, fascinating. We can't even agree on the literary style of a book. How are we going to agree on interpreting it? But that's just my never-ending frustration with the world of, well, that, that, that's my never-ending frustration when someone tells me, no, the Holy Spirit gives us insight and the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Well, can someone agree on the, literary style of Psalms and Proverbs for crying out loud. Okay, but all right, that's a whole different podcast. All right, here we go. Wisdom literature features wise sayings and the writer's observations of the world around him. The purpose of wisdom literature is to provide the reader with a short essay to remember statements that can enhance the life skills that will lead to deeper relationship and understanding of who God is. Like poetic books, many Bible books contain wisdom statements, but the books of Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes can be called primarily wisdom literature. So that clearly, they're not both. So we hear from Christian radio, they're they're both wisdom literature. We we read in uh, Bible handbooks, they're both poetry. We go to another Bible handbook, no one is poetry, one is wisdom literature. Poetry and wisdom literature are different. So which is it? (laughs) That's, uh, okay. Maybe I'm the only one who finds it humorous. I find it humorous because you're constantly taught, especially in any kind of good hermeneutics class. You got to know the literary style. You have to know the literary style. Wrong, if you you identify the wrong literary style, you will use the wrong hermeneutical techniques. Therefore, you're going to get the book wrong. All right. Now, we're at 43 minutes. This was supposed to be like 15 minutes long. That's, this was supposed to be 15 minutes long. So there you go. I believe they're different. So let, let's just end to summarize. I believe devotional material versus quote unquote study material, when it comes to the Bible, they're just the same passage. The only thing that makes them difference is the time you give to them. All right. And I think you should understand how, what doing a devotional looks like versus doing actual study. There's, there's a difference. When it comes to choosing devotional material, they, it's argued that many people would go to Psalms. I don't know why, because that seems to just be maddening and have to bring in so much. You have to study. You can't just do it in a devotional way. I think, well, I mean, you can, but I, I guess for me, because I kind of contradicts myself there, because I say everything is, the, is you can use it for both. I guess you could try to use Psalms for devotional material. I just would be left, well, I guess you could. I guess you could use it in a devotional way, but you have to come back a couple of hours later going, okay, I got my observations, I got my questions, I got maybe two or three lessons and maybe an application, but I got to go back and figure out the historical context of what in the world is going on and then try to determine how much of this is applicable to me. But so I guess you could initially do it in a devotional way. But if I was going to pick one, Proverbs just makes it so much easier from a devotional perspective, right? But... 43 minutes, 44 minutes in, all of this was just because, well, they're getting ready to introduce a new book on the Proverbs. Let's see if we can get the name of this book.
0: Granted, it isn't a series of 150 prayers, and it is less organized, it seems, than the Psalms are, but why not Proverbs? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about devotions from the book of Proverbs, Pastor Rod Zwanitzer. He's associate pastor of Al Shevier Lutheran Church in Heartland, Michigan, and author of a new book, Wise Words for Each Day, a devotional on Proverbs. Rod, welcome back.
1: All right, the name of the book, Wise Words for Each Day, a devotional on Proverbs. Wise Words for Each Day, a devotional on Proverbs. Here's a little information about the book. Finding Jesus Christ in Proverbs is truly the unique feature of wise words for each day, a daily devotional on Proverbs. Oh, boy. All right. We have another issue to address. Now, whenever I say this, I get five bazillion emails and everybody's like, you're wrong. You're wrong. How dare you? You're not even a Christian. You're an atheist. You should throw away your microphone and retire. Okay. Calm down, everyone. I just have a different perspective on this when it comes to interpreting the Bible. There is a system of hermeneutics. There is a an approach to biblical interpretation that says Jesus is found in every chapter and every verse. And if you don't see Jesus, you did not interpret the verse correctly. I'm not in favor of that hermeneutic because I've seen it play out time and time again in sermons. And I'm looking at the passage going, you just forced Jesus into that. Nobody, when it was originally written, would have understood it's about Jesus. They wouldn't have had a clue. The author himself, in many cases, wouldn't have the clue. Now, there are some cases where clearly they're giving some kind of prophetic messianic prophecy, and it would make sense. But so many times I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. How did you put Jesus into that? It's just like, oh, Throw Jesus into it. No. Now, they're, 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 everyone believes there's scriptural justification for doing so, and, and this, inter, this kind of description of the book is going to offer it. Here we go. Finding Jesus Christ in Proverbs is truly the unique feature of Wise Words for each day, a daily devotional on Proverbs. Based on Jesus' own words and Luke 24, 25 through 27, this seldom used biblical word finds Christ, the wisdom of God. Now, it says, based on Jesus' own words, Luke 24, 25 through 27. All right, let's look at it. I'm going to go to the Gospel of Luke. I'm almost positive I know what they're getting ready to quote. I'm almost positive. I'm hoping I'm horribly wrong, and then uh, we won't have to talk about it. Let's hope I'm wrong. Luke 24, and let's go to verse... 20 you see I'm in Luke 23 that makes absolutely no sense. here's Luke 24 let's go to verse 25 All right yep this is the verse this is the passage always this is the one that gets sent to me in emails all the time Have you not read? Can you not read? What's wrong with you? Open your Bible. You're right. Never read. I've never read the Bible. Never. Not one time. Don't even I didn't even know what the Bible was until five minutes ago. Okay. It, yeah. It's always a you can go, no matter how many, how many schools you attend, no matter how many degrees you have, someone's out there always telling you, you don't know what you're talking about. But all right, here we go. Luke 24, 25. Jesus is speaking. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the uh okay he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Now, for some weird reason, people read that See, Jesus just said that all the scriptures are about him. No, it did not say that. It said he taught about those things in the scriptures that were about him. That's a completely different way of understanding that. Let me read it to you again. Luke 24. He interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. So he... He, came, he went through the scriptures and everything that was concerning him, he taught. Now, if he's found in every verse, look, if you read Luke 24, how did he accomplish this and what appears to be the time that they were together and they spoke? Look, look at the situation. It's not like he stayed there for six months. If he, if he's found in every verse of the Old Testament and he, ins, and he interpreted everything about him and every verse of the Old Testament, it, it would have taken weeks. It would have taken months. It would have taken years. Okay. Let's start with Genesis one one. Let's start with Genesis one two. Let's start with Genesis one three. Let's start. You know how long it would make it to go through every verse of Genesis? So clearly that's just not even true from a practical standpoint considering the situation there. What he did is he went to the Old Testament and those things that are about him, those are the things he gave an interpretation for. I don't know why that's so difficult and why it causes... But it leads to an entire hermeneutical system. If Jesus is in every passage. If you don't see Jesus, you didn't see the truth of the passage and you're wrong. And it's like, no, you're wrong because you're shoving Jesus into passages where clearly nobody would have ever seen him other than someone just finding a way to put it there. And it's like, it's, it, we've got to be careful with how we do that. So I'm interested in seeing how this, this, I'm very interested in seeing how this does this, but they go on to, so let me read this paragraph again. Finding Jesus Christ in Proverbs is truly the unique feature of Wise Words for Each Day, a daily devotional on Proverbs. Based on Jesus' own words in Luke 24, 25-27, this seldom-used biblical word finds Christ, the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians 1.30, and almost all the Proverbs. Further, the beautiful commissioned cover painting, based on Proverbs eight one, depicts the very biblical Chapter that settled the Arian controversy over the divinity of Christ in the 4th century A.D. That's, That's some good stuff right there. Uniqueness is also found in the format among Proverbs devotionals in that it covers large portion of Proverbs by matching up day one of each month with Proverbs chapter one, day two with Proverbs chapter two, and so on. Each day also provides a crafted prayer and for further study word connect section for those who want to go deeper than the two to three minute daily dosage of wisdom. Now, the book is called Wise Words for Each Day, a devotional on Proverbs. And you know what I, I, if you know me, you know what I'm thinking right now. You know what I'm thinking. I got to get the book and I have to turn on the microphone and go, look, They claim Jesus is in this proverb. What do you think, class? Let's go. And then, wait, wait, here's the next devotional. Is Jesus here? Wait, here's, now, we were doing some work in Jesus Calling. That messed up devotional. And we were doing, we were doing that. Sometimes with, with Jesus Calling, it only takes about like, I don't know, 15 minutes to realize this thing is a train wreck. I'm not saying this one will be a train wreck anywhere close to what Jesus calling is. That thing is a disaster. That thing is a, oh man, that thing is horrible. Okay, that thing, that's, there's so many problems with that. I, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to have flashbacks, okay? So I just gotta, I gotta try to, I'm, I'm gonna hopefully have more seizures until I forget that that ever happened, okay? But this one I think would be far more beneficial and useful, but it does demonstrate that a devotional, in many cases, contains a hermeneutical system being imposed upon those devotions by the author. This one is up front. Boom! My approach to the Proverbs is to find Jesus in everyone. Does it work? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're just imposing Jesus on there. Because I, would, I, would, I think it's a very important question. When Solomon wrote the Proverbs, do you think he wrote the Proverbs in order for the, the original audience to see Jesus on every verse? We know that's not the case. Are there some Proverbs there that may directly point us to Jesus? I think we would be foolish to say there isn't any. There are clearly some. But to say the book, every verse or every chapter, that's where I get concerned. Look, there are things in Genesis that I think points to Jesus, no question about it. There are things in Exodus. There's things in Leviticus. There's things in every book. I, I won't have a problem. Well, most books I would think maybe you could even go every book, but not not every section, not every verse, not every passage. But there you have it, a little bit of discussion about the Proverbs. So, in to summarize this afternoon, I'm going to do the military speech technique that you're taught. Okay, what we have talked about, okay, so I'm going to, ta- what have we talked about today? Say what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to start your speech saying, today I'm going to talk to you about this, then talk to them about this, and then in conclusion say, today I have spoken to you about this, and I just... I'm like, look, I can accomplish that without saying, today I'm going to talk to you about this. And, well, I have told you today, I, no, I can, I can accomplish your, your rules, but I'm just not going to do it in such a bland way. But, that's, but today I am. In conclusion, today I have talked to you about, Okay, right? I'm going to follow it to, to the letter. Right? Today we have talked about when it comes to devotional material, is there a difference between a devotional passage of Scripture and a study passage of Scripture? Is there a difference between all in-depth study? It depends on what you do with it. You determine what, how you're going to approach it in a devotional way or in a study way. We ask the question, when it comes to Proverbs and Psalms, how are they the same? How are they different? And what literary style are they? What we saw is some say they're they're both wisdom literature. No, they're both poetry. No, one is poetry and the other one is wisdom literature. Well, I think that's interesting that there seems to be at least some disagreement. Everyone agrees that poetry and poetry structure is used, but I think very different purposes, very different styles, and we have to see that. We introduced you to a new book on the Proverbs called Wise Words for Each Day, a devotional on Proverbs. It is available for $22, hardcover, at Amazon.com. I don't get any money, but I'm going to get a copy. And the unique feature of this book is supposedly trying to find Jesus, and I guess in almost every proverb. The book is 378 pages long, so it should give us plenty to work on. There we go. Does anyone have any questions? Well, there's no one in this room to say they do. I think everyone who was listening live stopped listening. I think they were like, I'm done. I don't, I'm done. I don't care anymore. I don't care. I'm done. So probably everyone stopped listening because nobody else in the chat has said anything. They, they missed out. They missed out because I think I think it was a good talk. I think it was a good discussion. I do. I really do. I'm just going to tell myself that they missed out. I, I, I don't know what to tell people when they miss out on such good things. All right, but no questions. If you do have a question, because a lot of you are not going to hear this when, when it's live, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, all right. Someone said, just laughed at me and then said done. So I they're, they're done, I, I guess. I don't know. And, and all of a sudden, uh, what just happened? I just get a notification from Church One that we went live. I didn't see that we lost any internet connection, but that tells me we were about to lose internet connection. So we're going to hurry up and stop. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. Again, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. God bless.